Hi, welcome to the cottage. We are a lively outpouring of an exciting adventure into God's riches and glories in Christ Jesus. We really work to activate an excitement for the kingdom of God as it is in the now until it comes into its fullness. We invite you to our sessions to explore the heights and depths of God's love in a fuller bandwidth. I'm Dr. Ken, the pastor of a small independent church seeking to return to the Lord's zeal in times where apathy and lethargy rule the day of the complacent. We try to shake things up and offer a temporary home as we travel this sod until we reach higher ground and connect into the everlasting life from above, here on the earth as it is in heaven. For more information, you can email us at thecottage at dken.cc. That is thecottage at dken.cc. If you care to see a video presentation of these sermons, you must use the Spotify app to see the videos. Otherwise, continue in the medium that you've chosen and you will get the audio version only. Hi, welcome back to the cottage. We're continuing our Walking with Abraham series and we're in Genesis 15 today. And we're going to talk about Abraham's pro-vision. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that we have something to look forward to and yet we can have joy in the journey on our way to know what you're doing. And as we're walking with Abraham through his story and the word, help us to see those stepping stones to keep taking us higher and higher into all that you want us. As your word becomes a ladder that helps us to climb up and see things from your perspective. Help us open the eyes of our hearts that we might see Jesus high and lifted up. Thank you, Jesus, for this day that we have. In your wonderful name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, we are walking with Abraham. We're in Genesis chapter 15. We did Abraham's, Abraham's vision this morning, and now we're going for provision. Provision. And we began in Genesis chapter 15 with verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision saying, Fear not, I am thy shield and thy great exceeding reward. And I was excited about the psalm that we just read. In Psalm 18, verse 33, He maketh my feet like hinds and sets me upon my high places. And we talked about in Sunday school how God set Abraham to high places, that Abraham could see things, that God gave him a vision as a prophet to see things. From God's perspective. And that's what God wants to do. He wants us to see things from His perspective and not our own. And so, I'm thinking now of Romans 13, 14, where Paul tells us, the Apostle, put you on the Lord Jesus Christ, hallelujah, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. We should not be looking for our own provisions But we should put our trust in the Lord. And in this chapter, Abraham, remember all that's happened in chapter 12, 13, 14, and the great battle that he won in chapter 14. At the end, he's like, I don't want your stuff. And then he's looking at God and saying, I'm glad you are blessing me and doing all these things, but I still don't have a seed. I still don't have a seed. And so... We must realize that our provision comes from the Lord. And so, as we go back to Genesis 15 and verse 5, it says, And he, God, brought him, Abram, forth. Now, we already talked about abroad in Sunday school, so I'm not going to go back there. But notice how God brought him forth out of a 
nation who worshipped idols, who worshipped the sun, the moon, and the stars, who worshipped, whose, whose thoughts were up, but not high enough. Not high enough. And we, we joked in Sunday school about today. What is today? What happens today? Super Bowl and all the stars that everybody worships. And I'm trying to figure out who's going to be the biggest star. Those on the field or those in the, what is that thing called? The box or something? You know. Made in Japan. How sweet it is, right? Made in Japan or something? Anyway. So, think about Abraham used to worship those things. And God called him to something much higher. So God brought him forth from somewhere to taking somewhere. And it's exciting. And I'm reminded of what we talked about recently on Wednesday night. And he brought us out from thence. This is later on. Moses talking to the second generation. The Joshua generation. God brought us out of Egypt. God brought Abraham out of Egypt in Genesis chapter 12. And God brought them out of Egypt. Parting the Red Sea. And he's going to take you into the promise. God is moving you. God has got you. It's His provision. He's provided for you. He's been faithful. Even though you've been up and you've been down, God's always up. God doesn't move. His address doesn't change. So God brought us out that He might bring us in to give us what He swore to Abraham. The promise. It's God's provision and God is going to do this. Hallelujah. And then in verse 7, And He said unto him, this is again, God said unto Avram, I am the Lord that brought thee out. I'm doing this. This is my provision. See things from my perspective, what I am doing. Get on board. Don't be kicking and screaming like Paul was against the pricks. Come on, Saul. Get with the program and become Paul and go out and save the world. (laughs) Preach to Caesar. Now, I brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees, to give thee this land and inherit it. And Abraham's like, that's fine, you, you're doing this, but I still, where's my seed? <laughs> where's my child? And God says, I'm going to do it. But you're not seeing things from my perspective. I've got plans that you're not aware of. I've got things in place I'm doing. I've got the provision. It's going to happen in my time. Who is it? I am the Lord. Now, we went through this last week on Sunday school. Who's the Lord? This is Yahweh. I'm doing this. And we went through this when Melchizedek said, you know, you worship the God Most High. And Abraham says, yes, his name is the Lord. I am the Lord. The name that he revealed to Moses at the burning bush. I am the Lord thy God. Out of Exodus 20, verse 2, in Moses' time. On Mount Sinai. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. I am the one that brought you out. The Lord Yahweh, I did this out of my provision. I brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. I am bringing you. I am doing this. And you have to trust in me what I am doing. Do we trust in him? And we left off in Genesis chapter 20 verse 7 in Sunday school. That Abraham is a prophet because God has chosen him. And God has given him a vision. And God is going to give him the provision as a prophet. To see that it comes to pass. It's not going to come because of Abraham. It's going to become 
Because of God. What did Jesus say in John 15, 16? You didn't choose me. No, I chose you first. And Paul says, we love him, but he loves us first. Paul and John, the apostles said, teach that. We love him because he loved us first. God has made all of this possible by his provision. Can you see that? That God is pro you. That God wants the best life for you possible. That the Bible is the instruction books for you to have the best life possible. It's God. So back to verse 1 of chapter 15. The vision. What's he say? Fear not. Now many times when people encounter God in the Bible, they have great fear and trepidation because of the power of God. I mean, to be in God's presence. To hear God speak. As a prophet does. And so God is warning Abraham, fear not. At the same time, he's, he knows Abraham is scared. I don't have children. That's the whole point. Where is my family? You're going to give me my... Where is my family? And he's telling Abraham, fear not. You don't have to be afraid. Joshua going in the promised land. Fear not. Be strong and of good courage. I'm doing this. It's my provision. You look at the mirror and you go, oh my, there's no way. And God says, I'll make a way where there seems to be no way. You look at me, Abraham. Don't look at yourself. I'm doing this. And as banged up as you are, we're going to get across the finish line. I'm going to make it happen. The old rabbit, he's going to be on the side of the road and the tortoise is going to cross that line. You just keep one step in front of the other and you just myrtle, turtle your way on. Past old Ertle, who's off on the tea stall. Or, well, that wouldn't work over here, tea stall, but who's off on the side getting his Pepsi? Oh, no. I can't, better not pick on the Pepsis. I am thy shield. Why does Abraham need a shield? Well, we talked about a battle. But there's more of a battle here. There's more of a battle. Today's the Super Bowl. We're going to have this big battle. It's red versus red. I'm confused. You're all wearing red, but I don't know if you're for... But Ethan straightened me out that red is for the Chiefs, not for the 49ers. But there's a battle going on. There's a battle going on. You're going to need a shield. This is not going to be easy. What I'm going to do is going to be... Great and difficult, and it's not going to be easy, but I'm going to be your shield and I will shield you. Now he already said this, we just didn't catch it in the Hebrew, in Genesis 14.20. And blessed be the Most High God, Melchizedek said, unto Abraham, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. He's unshielded the enemy. Melchizedek says to Abraham, you know why five kings could not beat four kings? And Abraham with 318 men could? Because I unshielded the enemy. Those powers, they worship all, they're all idolaters, they worship other gods. I unshielded them and I am shielding you. I am your shield. No matter what you're going through, I will protect you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
We just read Psalm 18, verse 30. As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler, a shield, to all those who trust in Him. So, we trusting in Him as our shield. Our shield. We went on to read in verse 35. Thou hast given me the shield of thy salvation. Whose salvation is it? It's His salvation. Not mine. I can't save myself. He has to do it. But He is going to shield me. Thy right hand holds me up. I can't get up. It's not by my hand. Thy gentleness made me great. We just read that in the psalm. Now, why does Abraham need a shield? Verse 11 gives us a hint. This is, and when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. What God asked Abraham to do is set up a bunch of animals for a ritual. And Abraham sets up all the animals for this ritual that's going to happen for worship. God sets it up. It says, Abraham, I want you to do this. And what happens? It says the fowls came and began. And Abraham had to fight all of these fowls off. Now the fowls, that's how the King James translates it. But what's it referring to? This word, actually, when you study it out, is akin to these beings, the cherubims. Genesis 3.24 So he drove out the man and placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which every way keepeth the way from the tree of life. When Abraham, I mean, excuse me, when Adam and Eve went out of the Garden of Eden, God had winged creatures, cherubim, to protect And so Adam and Eve had to leave. These are not angels. They're something else. They're higher beings. But they have wings. Okay? And when Adam and Eve failed in the garden, then they were protected from and they can't go back in and have that intimacy with God. Now, Abraham is experiencing intimacy with God. He is talking with God. God and him have cross this barrier of Genesis 3.24 now. And Abraham has to get past these creatures. Because Abraham is, is making actually an ascent according to the Jews. They believe Abraham is trying to break gravity and go up and meet God up there. And have a conversation with God. To have worship with God. And so it's like the Super Bowl. Who, who's the running back for the Chiefs? Pacheco? You like Pacheco? His name's Isaiah, right? Yeah, Isaiah. The running back, you know, you give him the ball, and he has got to beat his way through somehow. That guy, I don't even know how tall he is. Bert was telling me about him, right? Bert was talking about Pacheco. He's this little bitty guy. So uh, Bert's teaching me so I can teach you. He's this little bitty guy, and they give him the ball, and he, he's got the energizer bunny. He bounces around, goes through, and, and somehow he gets across the line and gets the touchdown. And this is the picture actually being painted right here. That what's going on is Abraham is trying to do worship. He's praying. He's trying to get to God. But all these powers, the powers are fighting him. It says in verse 12, And when the sun was going down, deep sleep fell upon Abraham. We said that's visionary language in Sunday school. And lo and horror of great darkness fell upon him. He's fighting through darkness to get to God, to experience worship. He's trying to make an ascent, but there is something going on. 
And Paul describes it in Ephesians 6.12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Daniel prayed in Daniel 10 for three weeks. And God sent the messenger. And the messenger says, Daniel, we heard you on the first day. But we've been fighting to get through. Like Isaiah Pacheco is fighting to get across the line, to get that score or get that first down. We've been fighting the enemy to get through. There's so much adversity. He's fighting darkness. He's trying to worship God in the moment. And he's very vulnerable because he has no son. He has no family. I mean, this is family matter. So he's fighting. And there's darkness of this world. And he's trying to fight through. And so the ancient people, even early Christians talk about this. That you're trying to pray. You're trying to make an ascent with your prayers. And it's like a bullet bouncing off Superman's chest. It's like you're trying to get through, but you just can't. Because there's all these darkness. The enemy. And you're trying. And you first down and you throw. And he doesn't get through. And second down. And third. And you feel like you're punting all the time. And you feel like you're not scoring the game and you're not going to win the game. And Abraham says, I don't care about all these wonderful plays. If we don't get the touchdown, it don't matter. We can have a 97-yard pass, but if we don't get those last three yards, it doesn't matter how great that 97 yards was. And if there's a penalty on the play, well, what does it mean anyway? We talked about this in Psalm 18. It's amazing. I can't believe how Psalm 18 lined up so well today. He teaches my hand to war so the bow of steel is broken in mine arms. We have to be taught to go to war. Abraham is at war against the enemy. He has just fought the kings, the four kings. And he is fighting the gods of those lands. Former idolater and now he's fighting on the side of Yahweh and he is in a battle. Psalm 23, 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, deep darkness, I will fear no evil. Fear not, Abraham. What does Abraham have to fear? He also has to fear that he's fighting an enemy that is ferociously against him. And just like Abraham was told, fear not, the psalmist says, I will fear no evil, for Yahweh, you are with me. Abraham, I got this. I'm your provision. Don't worry about all that you're facing. All the attacks of the enemy that's coming against you. I am with you. My rod and my staff, they will comfort you and get you through, Abraham. I'm going to get you through. You're going to get across that goal line. You're going to make it. On Thursday, he's going to make it. He's going to get there. It's been a battle, but he's going to get there. He's going to make it. Psalm 18. I just couldn't believe how well Psalm 18 lined up today with my message. My message is done, and she sends me the bolt, and then I see Psalm 18. It is God that girdeth thee, girdeth thee with strength, and maketh your way perfect. Abraham is all over the place. He's, he's not getting it right here. He's not getting right there. There's a penalty on this play, and a penalty on that play. I mean, Satan's the accuser of the brother, and he's blowing that whistle constantly. Back again, 15 yards. One step forward and 15 yards back. A punting and punting and only a field goal. We can't quite get the touchdown. I mean, it's a battle. 
And God says, I'm going to make it complete. What does he say in Colossians, Paul? 2.14 Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances against us. All those penalty plays don't matter. We're going to win the game. All those yards you went back. Oh no, you just threw a pick six. Oh my goodness. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you threw a pick six and the enemy has got you and the enemy just scored a big one. All that was against you, which was contrary to us, He, Jesus, took it out of the way. He took it out of your way, so you, He's blocking you, bless God, and you're going to score on this drive, baby. He's going to make the way. He's going to block them and say, come on, Isaiah Pacheco, go across the line. They got Patrick Mahomes as quarterback, we got Jesus Christ, hallelujah. He's going to call the play and we're going to win it. And he's got God the Father as the coach. And he nails it to the cross. And he'll nail that play so that you can score. Verse 15, And having spoiled principalities and powers, the enemy that we're trying to fight, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over an image. A trick play. They thought if they killed Jesus, they got it. And they killed him and says, well, we win. It was a trick play. They killed Jesus and we scored. He dies. We live. Wow. What a Super Bowl, baby. Amazing. Abraham's trying to do this. Remember, God brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward the heaven, tell the stars, if thou shalt be of number. He said, So shall thy seed be. In verse 5. Then verse 6. We covered all that in Sunday school. And verse 6. And he believed in the Lord. He trusted that this is God's plan. This is the play. And if we just do this play, it's going to work. And he counted to him for righteousness. In other words, Abraham got with God. God gave the play. Here's what we're going to do. And Abraham is on board. I can trust my quarterback that I need to do this and do that. And I'm Travis Kelsey. And I just turn around and go, and there it is. Bam, I got the ball. I got the ball. Why? Because he called the play. We are not to argue with the play. We are to run the play. We are to be exactly where God tells us to go and turn around and bam, catch the ball. That's our job. Run the play. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Run the play. Be exactly where we need to be. And sometimes we're the blocker that allows somebody else to score and sometimes it's us who are in there. But every member of the body has to do its part to make this happen. In Deuteronomy 9.5, it says, Not for thy righteousness. It's not for Abraham. No, get this straight. It's not Abraham's righteousness. God made it clear later on in Deuteronomy chapter 9.5 whose righteousness we're talking about. It's not for thy righteousness, Abraham and your children, Israel, or for the uprights of thy heart. We all know that you're not right. Dost thou go to possess the land? It's not because of you, but for the wickedness of these nations the Lord God doth drive them out from before thee that he may perform the word which ye swear unto thy fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm not doing it because how 
good you may think you are. I need this done because of how bad they are to run this play. Do we trust him to run this play? In Jeremiah 18, I've taken you here many times, the potter and the clay. Jeremiah, I need you to see what's going on here. And the vessel he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it another vessel seem good to the potter to make it. We run, run, we run a play. We run a drive and it doesn't work out. We're going to score in the next one. He's going to adjust us. He is going to adjust us. That didn't work. The prosthesis didn't work the first time. He'll adjust it. It's going to work. He's adjusting. He's changing things. We're not quite right. Abraham's not quite right. Okay, God says, I'm going to adjust you. We'll get it right. Let's get together. But we got to run this play again. This time you do what I say. And we can still win the day. We can still win the game. We can still do it. As seemed good to us? No. As it seemed good to the potter to make it. Abraham, I'm doing it according to my plan. We're going to see Abraham is going to get marred many times. The plan is going to get mucked up. Chapter 16 is another example of this. It's going to get mucked up. We've already seen Abraham make mistakes. We've seen Lot make mistakes. We've seen lots of things going on that didn't seem right. We've seen a lot of battle with the enemy. And God says, don't worry. If I can't do it this way, I'll do it another way. But I'm going to get it done. Are you with me? And Abraham says, yes, I'm with you. I just can't see it right now. It's tough. But I'm with you. Verses 5 and 6. We're in Jeremiah 18. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? Saith the Lord, Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so you are in mine hand, O house of Israel. Cannot God do what he wants to do? Why is Patrick Mahomes so good? Or I guess you're all Chiefs fans, so I use him. Because he looks at the line and he changes the play when he sees the defense and how they line up. And he changes the play. You've got to have your ears on and hear what the play is because he might change it up. It's not going to be the same every time. Once he sees how the defense is rolling, he says, I'm going to change up the play. You just do what you're supposed to do. But you've got to trust your quarterback that he knows what he's doing. So, God says, can I not do this how I want to, Abraham? I have no son. And you often wonder, through the life of Abraham, had would Abraham gotten it earlier if he'd done some things differently? In some games, they could have won the game far earlier and been way ahead. But sometimes it comes down to those nail biters. Overtime, double overtime. Do they have triple overtime? In the NFL? I don't know how many overtimes you can do. Because it didn't go quite the way God wanted to in the first or second quarter. If it would have, we would be way ahead and be fine and the game's going to be a breeze. But because we're behind, now God's got to do some things with us. Because we're behind, He's going to do some things. But He's still going to win it. It's just not going to be as easy. But we have to trust the hand of the potter. And Abraham is struggling to trust God here. Because he's like, I don't want all the stats. I don't want all the stuff. I just want a son. That's what I want. Hebrews 12 too. I keep bringing this up to you. Looking at Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He is not only the one who author, authors our life. 
but he perfects it. That's what Psalm 18 said, the perfecter. That God is going to be the one that perfects us. We're not perfect, but we're being perfected. God is perfecting us. Hallelujah! Darkness. Psalm 97. Clouds and darkness are around about him. Righteous judgment are the habitation of the throne. A fire goeth before him and burneth up his enemies round about. And you see the darkness and what Abraham has to endure in darkness for the light of God to come and pass through these animals as a symbol that God says, Abraham, what happened to these animals will happen to me, God, if I don't fulfill my promise. And yet he leaves Abraham on the sideline and says, you're not in this play because I'm going to run this play by myself. Put myself vulnerable. And I, Jesus, am going to die. You're not going to die. I'm going to die on the cross in this place. I'm going to do it alone so that you get the benefit. It's not Abraham's righteousness. God is the one who marches through as a fire. In the darkness. It is Jesus who dies on the cross. We should die on the cross. But it is he that dies on the cross in our place. And he defeats the enemies all around. Psalm 97 verses 2 and 3. So verse 17 goes on. It came to pass that when the sun went down it was dark. Behold a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. Representing God saying that what happened to these animals. When you cut them in half will happen to me if I don't keep mine the deal. But Abraham is not... It's an ancient covenant. Abraham should have walked through with God and said, well then, if I don't keep my part of the covenant, this will happen to me. But Abraham doesn't get to do that because God knows that Abraham is not going to keep his part. And the next chapter is going to tell us that. In the next chapter, Abraham is not going to do his part. We already have seen that Abraham has not done his part. In the next chapter, again, Abraham is not going to do his part. But God says, I'm going to do it. And I'm still going to get you on track if you let me mold you. If you let me be the potter. Now, Isaiah. We did Isaiah Pacheco, right? We've got to go to Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord sitting high and lifted up and the train filled his temple. If you read Isaiah 6, you have the cherubim there. And Isaiah is allowed to see God and he's like, oh my goodness. I, th- I don't remember the King James says I'm an undone. It means uncreated. The Hebrew there I, is uncreated. I'm dead. I shouldn't be able to see God. No one should be able to see God and live. Remember Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. They're not allowed to go through there to the cherubim. But here Isaiah gets a trip up there where Paul goes in 2 Corinthians 12. He gets to be in heaven. And as we discussed in Sunday school, Abraham, some Jews think Abraham actually made this trip. That Abraham is actually up in heaven talking to God. In Genesis chapter 15. We talked about it in the vision. Now we're in the pro-vision. Do you play football? Okay. Now we're in the pro. Today's Super Bowl. The pros are playing. This is bigger. Now we're in the pro-vision. Not just a vision. And Isaiah is allowed to do Go back to where Adam and Eve were. He's allowed to be in the presence of God. Abraham is allowed to be in the presence of God. What Adam and Eve lost, God has given them. 
I'm going to make a way for myself and my people to be together as one. I'm going to do this. In Jeremiah 23, 18, it says, For who has stood in the counsel of the Lord? Who has perceived His words? Who has marked His word and heard it? Who? Who has stood in the counsel? Now this, King James has S-E-L, but I think it should be pronounced, uh, spelled C-I-L. It's not only just the Word of God, but when we align ourselves with the Word of God, we're actually talking about who among the people has actually been with me in heaven. He goes on in verse 23, this, or 22. Chapter 23 of Jeremiah, verse 22. But if they stood in my council, I think, is a better way to translate this. The council comes out of heaven. God speaks out of heaven. Isaiah is in heaven. The Jews believe that Abraham is also in heaven. And God is sharing the vision with Abram, his counsel, S-E-L, but it's in the C-I-L that he's doing it. So either word works here. And if they stood in my counsel and caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. In other words, prophets who come and hear from God and share God's with the people and they share what God is truly saying, then people will repent and change. People will change. So we have to tell them what God tells us. We have to hear from heaven like Abraham. The provision. The vision that is God's best plan for lives. Back to again, Genesis 15.1. Back to Genesis 15.1. And these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, Fear not, I am thy shield. I am thy shield. I will protect you. I will make a way for you. Whatever you're going through, all this stuff, God is your shield. He's your blocker. He is going to get you there. And lastly, remember back in 1420, Genesis, that when he delivered the enemies to Abraham, he unshielded the enemy. So, we got a long prayer list. We got a lot of stuff going on. The enemy wants to attack us. But remember, he has shielded us. At the same time, he has unshielded them. Any um, shields, I'm sorry, but Star Trek, any Star Trek fans out there? Raise shields, lower shields. He's raised our shield and lowers the enemy's shields. You, do you understand that? We're protected. By Him. By His power. They have nothing. They may look formidable, but they have nothing. God is with you. Let's walk with Abraham. Be shielded by God against the things of this world. Can you imagine if they go out there and play today and and the the other side of the team, the other team, all of their pants fall down on their ankles. Can you imagine that? That would be a trick play. That's what God has done to the enemy. That's what God has done to the enemy. He's tripping the enemy up. But we have got to run his play. Don't be deceived by the enemy to commit those penalties and cause a loss of downs and a loss of yards. Okay? Don't be deceived. But at the same time, if we do, God is faithful and just to forgive us.
But he is our shield. Father God, we thank you for this powerful word. As we walk with Abraham. That you are our shield. It's not us who are righteous. We need a shield. Oh God, we need a shield. It's not by our power. It's not by our training. You have to train us. We, it's not by our training. You, Jesus, paid the ultimate price for us. You paid the price. Oh, Jesus, you are our shield from the attack of the enemy. Thank you, Jesus, for shielding us. It's in your name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast. You can find out more about us at dken.cc. That's D-K-E-N dot C-C. We look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you.